Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. And, you know, I want to reach as many people and touch as many hearts as I possibly can. right now in new orleans yep in new orleans louisiana sorry about that <laughs> man i just finally got a chance to hear the new record really really exciting stuff man thank you appreciate it yeah we're 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 pretty excited about it for sure worked a long time on it Many- pour it out into the night it's kind of like what we try to do as live performers right leave it all behind yep absolutely but what is that what is that phrase what is the message of the record for you if there is one you know, and I don't want to be too pandemic-y, but, you know, there were so many moments during that time. I would go out into my little studio in the backyard at 2, 3 a.m. and just let it all out, you right. know. Uh, it was a tough, it was a tough time. So I put it all into the music, really. strangers you're tuned in to the show on the road and if you're new here uh, this is my music discovery podcast where i get to talk to your new favorite songwriters band leaders and artists from all around the world and uh, my name is z lupiton and i have some news for you Uh, after five seasons of over 150 conversations we are partnering with osiris the leading storyteller in music podcasting We're going to be starting a new series of episodes with Osiris starting today with the man you just heard, David Shaw of The Revivalists. This guy writes songs that seriously keep me up at night. I'm not joking you. At about 2 a.m., I walked my house singing Wish I Knew You from The Revivalists, and I wish I was sleeping, and yet I couldn't get that hook out of my head. And if you love going on the weird journeys to how music is really made these days, You're going to love what we have coming up on the show on the road. And if you're taking a long flight or a long drive this summer like I am, you're going to want to check out the other Osiris podcast. You could dive inside the musician's brain with Chris Pandolfi, listen to Snarky Puppy's transmission from Deep Ellum, Wheels Off with Rhett Miller of the old 97s, Salute the Songbird with Maggie Rose, and even listen to the late, great David Crosby's Freak flag flying so much cool stuff on osiris and we're really glad to be a part of this family now i can hear my little one and a half year old jj getting up from her nap so i'm going to be brief and hand it off to the wonderful david shaw of the revivalists but first i want you to take a step back and ask yourself when was the first time a song really changed you 
really made you question your place on this spinning rock of earth. For me, I think it was the moment when a childhood friend of mine in Chicago put on the CD that had the Beatles come together on it. It was like someone calling from across the universe, literally, and saying, this is where you belong. These people are your people. And I know now, as a dad and as a husband, that devoting yourself to music, that falling so deep in love and obsession with creating music, touring around the world, making music, and sharing songs with your friends and with total strangers, it's a risk. A risk that David and the Revivalists have been doing for over a decade. Tell me about the beginning of the group. Oh, man. It was just... You know, a lot of hours spent in the uh, Chevy Express. <laughs> a lot of a lot of nights sleeping on the floor, you know, of a hotel room with like three and four of us, you know, in a room. A lot of air mattresses. A lot of a lot of amazing family members and friends' couches. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of help along the way, and we had a lot of hardship, you know. Um, but we always believed in what we were doing, and that was really the thing that like, kept us going. And now, on to the show. feel like when you get up on stage that you are creating a new character that you're not just yourself that you're almost um embodying who you want to be or who you feel like you could be or do you feel like this is your most true self when you're performing it's that that is a really good question man because i'm very much an introvert but I'm also very much, I'm a Gemini through and through. So I've got those two sides for sure. Um, and I do think on stage is, is a, definitely is me. It's definitely an authentic version of me. It's just a overblown, you know, me. Cause I'm, you know, there's 5,000 people out there and you gotta, you know, you gotta command them in some kind of way. And, you know, I love interacting with the people. That's kind of like yeah. the thing that I love to do. I think some artists get up there and they play their songs and they don't really address the crowd too much. And that's okay as well. For a band that has a big sound, you know, and you guys kind of uh, cross over between rock and roll, soul, pop. I mean, all of it is sort of mixed together with you guys. But, you know, yep. it's not easy keeping a big band together. I mean, uh, <laughs> I have a group also with the Revival in the name um oh I and love it. our group dust bowl revival has been around for over 10 years i've always wanted a seven eight piece band i mean that's just always been the sound the feeling that i want i don't want to be a, a solo guitar player uh you know 
telling my stories about my mom on the mic. I mean, that's fun too, but um, it's fun too. But yeah, no, I, I hear you playing with a lot of guys. Um, it's a it's, sacrifice that you have to make, I think, to really yeah. bring that sound. And people don't realize that they assume that like, oh, well, you started off as kind of a acoustic duo or something. And then once you got famous or something, then you have the money to pay those people. But a lot of times you have to pay people and not pay yourself and get that sound into the world. Um, almost fake it till you make it type thing, you know? Yeah. And then we had, you know, a song that really kind of helped us continue. Like, yeah. That happened like 10 years into our career. Cause I mean, we were just, you know, we, we were just total road dogs, you know? I mean, just right. 175, 200 shows a year. Honestly, I that was not sustainable for me at all. Like I was yeah. just something needed to give, and I was just I'm, I'm just very grateful for you know that song, um, and just the time that it, you know it, it enabled us to kind of like be able to like actually sit back and take a little time to like okay. I wish I knew you when I was young. I played uh, Wish I Knew You at full volume for my one and a half year old today. Um, oh, it's man. just a it's just a jam. I mean, let's be real, you know, um, Thank you, man. It, it almost has like a disco beat, you know, that sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brothers, love, you, know. you know, when when George, when we were making it in the in the practice room, I mean, it really for me, it's about that four on the floor and the bass line. Yeah, it just it waves across the tune. And it was really just like that was the thing that I think really you know made it something different it's everything yeah i mean you know men amongst mountains comes out in 2015 how quickly was was it before people started catching on to that tune it wasn't the first single actually it was the second one we released keep going it immediately caught but then it was like it was very organic how how it all kind of happened and it just you know it was just one of those tunes that just kind of raised its hand and started you know organically connecting and we were just like oh shit this is happening Wow, I think I think what what draws me to a band like you guys, um, and I'll I'll be the first to admit I'm not um, a huge fan of most of the pop music that is out right now. Um, maybe I sound like a crotchety old man at this point. I, maybe I, I've I, always been a crotchety old man, but it's like no, I mean acoustic music, acoustic <laughs> music that can become dance music is like my favorite music. Right, that's the blues, soul. It's like stuff that you can play in a room with two people or in an arena with 70,000 people. Right. And some of your, you know, songs that are bangers, you know, even this new single that's catching fire kid, it's an acoustic song that becomes a freaking banger, you know, at 100%. Same thing. Yep. I walked downtown to get my fortune ran. She took one look and this is what she said. Kid, just sing the songs and wake the dead. Then 
sometimes if it's just all synth and all uh you know electronic wizardry i i lose the human element of a lot of the new sort of uh pop songs like it feels like something that did david create this or did a robot create this i don't know Uh, (laughs) and now especially with the you know with the invention of ai i feel like it's like i just feel like we're in an age where it's like the the songwriting is going to have to be hyper specific you know for people to not be like oh was this just an ai song you know right and i don't even want to know what what's going to happen with the music but i feel like there's going to be a huge pushback in the way that the like people are consuming and the way that lyrics are going to be written maybe there won't be but i feel like that's going to be my response i'm just like i cannot i just i don't know about I don't know about in the that. history in the history of American music and popular music, the trends you could see every I don't know twenty years there is this resurgence of sort of a rustic blues folk sound swing. Yep. It's like it becomes back around like clockwork because yep. people are like, wait, I want this Get something real tangible energy, yeah. right? And yep. the interesting thing I think is the 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 thematic thread I can see between kid and wish I knew you is like you having a conversation through the past, almost like talking to a younger self or talking to a future self. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, that, that video for wish I knew you is so, is so touching as you could see these folks who never maybe got to tell their high school sweetheart how much they meant. Right. You never got to say to that girl that rocked your world. Hey, maybe we'll meet up again when we're 75 and I'm a dentist mm-hmm. or something, you know? Yeah, man. And, you know, and then, you know, it's like, you're telling this kid, maybe it's you, maybe it's your kid, you know, you got to like, let it all hang out and don't leave anything to chance. Just fucking give yourself to the world, you know? Absolutely. I do think it is, is a little bit of what you said about the, the, the message to a future self or potentially my future child or yeah. Zach's future child, you know, or Zach's children or, or the little boy inside, you know? I do know that when we were writing it, it almost felt, it had this thought of just like it's it's kind of writing itself a little bit and we're just mm-hmm. kind of like you just got to get out of the way of this thing that just has presented itself to us so that was really really special and then you know we kind of i think a lot of times we we you you kind of you come with these lines like just living for the spirit now and we came up with something really beautiful i'm just i'm just really proud of zach and i that was the first time that we got together to write a song that was probably, I mean, definitely during, I mean, for, for sure during the pandemic, but it was, we hadn't probably written a tune in a year, year and a half, maybe gotten together mm-hmm. to write. So maybe even longer, honestly. So it was, it was a really, uh, it was a really special thing that it, that it, that's what happened the first time we got together. It's kind of like what? And, and Zach Feinberg, the guitar player who you wrote with, you know, he was, his wife was pregnant with twins, right? At that, at yep. that point. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot at stake, right? You know, it's like absolutely. I, you start writing. Absolutely. I mean, that's it is like a thing. Maybe it's almost cliche at this point, but like my songwriting 
um, vision, whoever the muse is, is now this little creature that almost didn't fully exist, you know, exactly. until she, she now, you know, she's kind of talking and, and running around, but these songs were written before she even arrived thinking about what she could be, who she was going to be, you know? Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing. Like your whole body chemistry changes, you know, I could see a change in Zach for sure. And he'll tell you that. Yeah. He, he, it was like, you know, he definitely had a fire under him, you know, to come with something and he made it happen, you know, pretty special. Every day to take away a little piece of you, a little piece of me. The good things in life are free. No, they never take that away from me. Now there's some uh, there's some dark jams on this record. I mean that that single I just heard, the long con, is is like. Yeah. It's almost like this this angry mob of protesters, which we see in Nashville and all over the country, yep. telling uh, the people around them, like, stop scamming me, like, stop yeah. gaslighting me, you know, stop yep. stealing from me. Yep. Um, and yeah. I mean, that could mean a lot of things, obviously, financially or, or otherwise. But I feel like this whole debate about uh, gun violence, it feels like oh. you're, we're, you're talking to a force that wants to take and take and take um you cannot there's nothing you can say to convince them that all this money and profit is not worth our kids I just, and I, these innocent lives like what is wrong with you it's sickening to me i i'll never understand it and you know i don't even know what we can do at this point because it just feels like everything that we're doing it just it just everything falls on deaf ears Mm-hmm. And all the protests, it's like, it's amazing. We got to protest and we can't let this become something that is, we can't become numb to it, you know? So we got to continue to fight. like this this stuff never ends you know this stuff it just it just keeps going but i did want there to be i didn't want it to be all gloom and doom because i that is not me you know i always want to have some i'm a forever optimist you know i always want to have some kind of some form of hope you know especially in the art that i make you know you know i don't know like i said I'm, i'm kind of focusing some energy right now on like how do we how do we mobilize a little bit better when did you first start playing music? How young? I was 12. I got a little white K guitar and a 10, 10 watt amp. Um, but yeah, I, all I wanted to do was play Teen Spirit. I was a 90s kid. I was a 90s kid through and through. <laughs> you remember the first record that you bought yourself? Um, first record. Okay, I have a good memory of buying in utero at Walmart. But I will say I had a tape of uh never mind and i mm-hmm. played it i played it until it wouldn't play anymore
had my sisters to kind of help guide my musical tastes too. So they were uh, they were heavily in- influencing me with Tool and, and my other sister was very much into like the jam scene. So she was like, you know, hipping me to the Grateful Dead and Fish. Mm. I was kind of getting it from all sides. I was like 11 year old. I was 11 year old going to their, well, I was at my house and they were having parties while my parents were gone. So it was like, it was a good time. It was a good time. Don't tell mom and dad. <laughs> exactly. You grew up in, uh, in Ohio, right? Yep. What brought you down to New Orleans? I had just graduated college and I was, um, I was going to do it. You know, I was working in construction at the time and Katrina had just hit. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, and it was, it's easy for me to get a job down in New Orleans. So I, I worked, I, I came down here. Obviously, I knew about the music scene. I didn't didn't know at how amazing it was, right? But I quickly learned. Um, and I really, you know, it was just I, I worked for the local. Uh, I worked for the uh, for a gas company that had the contract to basically redo all of the gas line for the city. Mm. So I was I was laying pipe for, for four to five years. Um, wow. Yeah, and going on tour, and then, but yeah. So that was, it was basically just, you know, I came down here kind of on a whim. You mm. know? I was always doing music, though, you know, on the side. It was just my passion, you know, still is. Was there a gig or a tour, like a moment where you were like, okay, something's really happening here something special is, is taken off here uh like a show where you're yeah. like i think i think this could really work yeah the one of the first towns um was pensacola florida that kind of like popped up as like a place that was like a oh wow like people are really coming out to see us yeah. this is a thing so it was kind of like we we did some we played this show these shows these like epic four hour shows at this place called bamboo willies it was on the beach. Oh my god, those shows were just whew, hot, hot. Um, but some of like the funnest shows I feel like we've ever played because they were just free and crazy. And I mean, it was just a, such a, a youthful energy. You know, it was good. I uh, kind of lost my voice for a month or so in February, and I went to this ENT and, and like a throat specialist here in LA because I was, you know, I was kind of freaked out. Yeah, and it wasn't recovering, and I was like, "Look, I'll, I'll admit to you, I've been singing in rock and roll and soul and bands since I was thirteen, no training." Um, yeah, and the guy's like, "Yeah, you probably should have come to me nine years ago or so, but uh, I think we can fix you up." <laughs> I mean, there's I how many that. shows? How many shows like that we did four sets? You know, where you're singing with barely any monitors. It's amazing exactly. that any of us can talk at this point. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm so with you. Yeah, I have to I have to do a lot to take care of my my voice at this point. It, just today, I was like, man, I got to cut back on my coffee. So all <laughs> I've had today is a green tea. A green tea. <laughs> and I'm feeling but it. God damn it! I do need to warm up. That's one of the things I have to do for sure. These, all these, you know, I'm talking about really weird sounds. All those little, mm. all those, yeah, all those. I'm also using a. Um, a vocal mister. I got one of those. Humidifier. 
that's been really, really helpful. That well, it's is, interesting because like true. on on Spotify, right? You don't get to choose what people are listening to, how people find you, right? So you look at your page, Soul Fight from 2008, still rocking hard in the number three spot, right? That song, um, yeah, that's crazy. That one, that's another one. We never, yeah, it was just, that one just connected in a really profound way. It's probably the, it's probably the fan favorite. I mean, even over Wish I Knew You, honestly. Really? I think Wish wow. I Knew You know, people just know it because it got big on the radio and right. all that kind of thing. But I think like if you maybe, if you might ask like our core fan group, you might, it might be the overwhelming majority might say Soul Fight, I feel like. Well, isn't anybody home in here? It's getting cold and I just don't care so I'm gonna find something else to do uh-huh just take a really good look at me i'm 22 and i still don't see why all of you people can't get along anymore like if I mean, we don't play that song at a show people get pissed yeah <laughs> yeah but there's times where you feel almost embarrassed by previous work, you know, where yeah. you're like, look, that was a that was a version of me as a songwriter yep. that I don't really want to keep bringing out. But again, it's like the songs exist on their own plane, right? It yep. hits someone in Pensacola and they they need to hear it, you know. There he is, David Shaw of the Revivalists, straight out of New Orleans. And uh, man, I had so much fun talking to him. We're going to do a second part coming up in a few days. And if you have not subscribed or followed the podcast on Apple yet, please do so. It will mean a lot to me. And we are brand new on the Osiris Network. So please check out all the music podcasts on there when you have a chance. If you want to see my band Dust Bowl Revival live in action this summer, well, you can see us in New England at the end of July in the southeast. In August, we're playing in uh, North Carolina and Virginia and then heading to Castora Cellars in Paso Robles up the road here in California, August 12th, then over to England and Denmark at the end of August. Please check it out, dustbowlrevival.com. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we are now a part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Stay safe, stay connected, and we'll see you with more from David Shaw of the Revivalists in a few days.
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.